As Justin said, my name is Jimmy Hensley, and I, I go here at the Colleen Community Church. I'd like to wish everyone, every father uh, or person who acts in the capacity of a father, happy Father's Day, and uh, hope you enjoy your day. Now, Pastor Brady always is uh, big on people telling their story, and he's challenged us uh, to do that, and uh, all of us have one. And uh, today I'm going to give you a glimpse of mine. I uh, hope I get through it okay. And uh, I have been known to be a crier. So if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, I started up not growing up in church uh, when I was younger. But uh, my dad, he always taught me uh, from a young age Excuse me, get my spectacles on. An early age to always work hard, tell the truth, respect others, and always do your best at whatever you do. And those are the values that, uh, that he gave me, even though I wasn't in any form of a, a Christian uh, church background. I always remember vacation Bible school as most of you do, mom always took me to Bible school at the Little Baptist Church in Dearborn. And uh, two things I always remembered from there was the cookies and the Kool-Aid, the crafts, and of course, the Father Abraham song. And uh, we're not gonna do that today. I thought about queuing it up and we're doing right hand, left hand, turn around, but thought I'd leave that out today. <laughs> Anyway, take, take me up to my high school years. I was very athletic in school. Played uh, football, basketball, baseball. And uh, I guess I did the best at basketball. And to this day, I can still hold my own at 47 against uh, quite a few of the younger people. And if you don't believe me, just ask me, and I'll be sure to tell you about it. <laughs> I was very popular, had many friends, and of course, my share of girlfriends during that time. And looking back, at especially the girlfriends, I didn't respect them in the way that I should have. In the summer of 1986 is when I first laid, on, or laid my eyes on what would be my eventual wife, Stephanie. Uh, she was my next door neighbor. She, she was 13. I was 17, a senior in high school, and of course that's kind of weird at that time. That's a little too weird of an age difference. I had a, uh, a girlfriend at the time. We were seniors in high school. Uh, I had been going out with her since a sophomore, and of course that didn't work out. And of course if God had answered prayers for me back then, I would have married the wrong person twice, as most of you in this room can maybe I agree with that but um, a few a few years went by after seeing Steph and she was uh, officially known as not Stephanie her name was my neighbor and Mike knows this joke uh, I knew Mike back then at this time and uh, they him and another friend would come up to me and just ask me how my was like she was from Thailand or, or wherever so she'd always ask me how my neighbor was, and I'd say, well, she's doing okay. You know, we was 
Dayton off and on during this time. But uh, a few years went by, and at this time I had another, what I thought was a serious girlfriend. We were going out two, uh, over two years, and this was another girl I thought that I would marry. Ended up, of course, not doing that. But one of the reasons, the big main reason of why that relationship didn't work out is when I could first remember experiencing uh, anxiety or panic attacks. Uh, these feelings made me feel very inadequate, depressed, worthless, and angry. And at times I took that anger out on her both mentally and at times physically. My life continued on a downward spiral with other numerous dead-end relationships that just took me deeper in sin. As Stephanie said a couple weeks ago when she did her testimony, when we went on the first date, it was uh, I went to a uh, North Platte homecoming football game. I was 21, she was 17, senior in high school. My mom and dad was gone for the weekend, and I just went to the ball game to watch the football game. Well, of course, I was hungry, <laughs> and just happened to run into Stephanie up, up at the high school game. So at that time, I thought, well, I don't have a girlfriend right now, and I know Steph, so I asked her to go eat that night up at the good old Ferris truck stop just north of Dearborn. I've always been known to, to spend a lot of money, of course, and so that's where our first dining experience, what we would call maybe a going out date, happened. Uh, but with my relationship guarding Stephanie, we, uh, we dated off and on, let's say. And at this time, I was so full of myself that, you know, I thought I could basically have any girl I wanted, which in reality wasn't true, but you couldn't tell me that. But uh, when I finally came to my senses with uh, landing on my better half was uh, one night I was uh, studying, or I said I was studying, of course, here's another lie, I'm not in church and I was not going to lie. It was a lie to Steph. Told her I was uh, going to go study uh, with a girl from school for a project we had when I was going to Missouri Western. Reality, I wasn't. Uh, we was just going out on a date. I got home around midnight. Yes, Courtney, I was home by midnight because my mom and dad told me to, and <laughs> I respected that. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> as I'm pulling into the house, my lights turn in the driveway, and who's coming across the yard with none other than a three-piece chicken dinner from Kentucky Fried Chicken, complete with dessert for me. So KFC won my heart that night with Steph. I thought, man, I, I felt like a, you know, a total, you know what. Uh, and at that time, I, I wasn't saved at the time. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ at that time. But there, there was something still uh, value-wise that said, you know, you better keep your eye on this one. Don't let this one get away. So I didn't. Uh, we continued to, to date. We dated from 1990 to 1993, and we got married. 
soon after we got married, it's when the desires of my past started to come to crept back into our marriage. And that desire was because at the ten of age, it was at the age of ten or eleven, I can't remember exactly. I was exposed uh, to adult images by some what I call friends. And for a boy of that young age, for whatever reason, it burned into my brain. Other people struggle with drinking, drugs, gambling. You guys fill in the blanks with whatever strongholds or struggles you're going, going through. But this one was mine. I had accepted Christ. In 1992, and Steph and I were, were baptized together at our little church in Dearborn because we wanted to start our marriage off with a clean slate. In 1995, our oldest daughter, Courtney, was born. She was the apple of my eye. And I couldn't wait to get home to get that pillow on my lap, have Steph bring her to me, and just love on her after work. The panic attacks came back again, which led me to go see a heart doctor because doctors wasn't for sure if it was just a plain panic attack or it was my heart. So they put a heart monitor on me, a 24-hour heart monitor, went outside and played some basketball or something because usually I remember back that sports, well, I was playing sports, and I remember doing this since I was organized sports in seventh grade of my heart doing this rhythm and then the funny feeling that would come after it. Well, I went outside to do that, and finally the heart monitor caught this rhythm and uh, turned it back in. One afternoon I was at home, the phone rang, still you know, not knowing what was going on, and they said, uh, Dr. Myers here in Platte City, actually. He says, is this Jimmy? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, well, how are you feeling, son? And I said, well, I feel fine. And he said, well, he said, your heart monitor shows something that's not very good. He said, I want you to go down to the Heart Institute downtown at uh, St. Luke's. He goes, we're going to put you in the hospital. You know how if anybody knows Dr. Myers, that's how blunt and straight he is with you. He's a straight shooter. So I hung up the phone and thought, well, I told mom and dad and Steph what was going on. So I was diagnosed with a, a condition called SVT, which in my doctor hat I'm going to put on now. It's supraventricular tachycardia. And during this time, I was 26 years old when I was diagnosed with this. My heart was uh, checked at 230 beats a minute. And uh, now I'd like to read uh, just a scripture real quick in James 5.16. If you'd turn there. I'm sorry, the, verse, the, the, the book is James 5, verse 15 and 16. I'm sorry. And this leads into part of my testimony where I was believed I was to this day healed healed by Jesus and the prayer offered in faith 
will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they had sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And during this time, like I said, I was 26. Doctors come in and talked to me and said, how long has this been going on? And I said, well, since I can remember seventh grade, 12, 13 years old, I was playing sports. And they said, with, they said, ask me the same heartbeat. I said, yeah, it's always, be, it's always done like, been beating like that when I play sports. I thought it was normal. I thought all the other kids experienced the same thing. So a team of heart specialists down there was talking to me. The next breath is with uh, valve replacements, pacemakers, and here I am at 26 and with a five-month-old at home. Wasn't uh, very good news. So that night before they was going to go in and do a, they going to do a catheterization uh, to uh, burn, what I ended up happening was I was born with electrical pathways. Everybody has a normal one. I was born with clusters. When I would exercise, when my heart would go into that mode for exercise, my heart would basically short circuit beat on one side of my heart and it would do the, 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 that strong fast beat of 230 beats a minute. Doctor said it was like running an engine without oil. My heart had been doing this all these years. It was beating so fast, the chambers wasn't uh, filling up with blood. They wouldn't allow, and my heart wasn't allowing, filling up with blood to even push it out. So that's when they talked about the, the valve replacement and pacemakers. So he's laying there, I was laying there in the room, and of course Steph was with me. And I was, of course, nervous. I was, um, I couldn't sleep. I was sweating cold sweat, clammy, and before we got ready to go to sleep, uh, Steph prayed for me, and uh, during that time, as she was praying uh, for my surgery the next day, um, I, I've read and talked to other people who've, who've claimed to be healed by the Lord, and of course, I know you don't believe everything on Google <laughs> that you believe on the internet, but they say it's it's a... It's like a, describing as a warm feeling of like honey being poured out on your head. And at this time, as Steph was praying this, that's exactly what I felt. I could tell you exactly where this warm feeling was. I could feel it being poured on the top of my head, down through my body, out my arms to my fingertips, down my legs, out my toes. And it, of course, went away. But after that had happened, I was not nervous. I was uh, warm. Uh, the cold and clamminess was immediately taken away. And of course, I slept all night. And before going in, the doctor said if these pathways are close to my normal one, they couldn't do the ablation. And that's when the pacemaker uh, would have to be put in. Well, when they went to do it, Praise be the Lord. Those uh, pathways was clearing on the other side of my heart. They were able to go in, take care of them. And, uh, uh, you know, God gives us doctors and their great abilities to do stuff. But I believe God miraculously moved those over that I wouldn't have to go through life with a pacemaker. Yes. Panic attacks continued. 
so bad at times I would have to we'd be shopping at stores out of nowhere it would hit me we just had to just, I just had to tell staff we gotta get out of here have no idea what was going on I felt like again I was having a heart attack start sweating get dizzy have to get out I always had to have someone with me sometimes even at home sitting by myself it crippled me so bad that I didn't even want to be alone afraid of this feeling coming back over me and I'm sure for being for for Steph it was probably a nightmare of course a lot of people that don't have it you talk to them about it and you don't understand it they think you're crazy <laughs> and at times I thought I was crazy when I was went to the doctor I check out the clean bill of health I got my heart fixed I'm still having these problems where I can't function and at times it was even a, a big thing for me to drive back and forth to work by myself never experienced this before I was always outgoing I could get on a plane and fly to Timbuktu by myself and not even think twice about it and even to this day I have trouble uh, traveling or being in some of those situations but as I tell my kids you know bear with me I, I'm on my medicine <laughs> so But of course with that, the anger, I was angry of feeling this way, of having to live my life this way. Depression came back in, the inadequacy. And at times, even with Stephanie, uh, the abuse was mental and physical. I don't see how she put up with it. Thank God she did. And Courtney was growing up in all of this at this time. She was caught in the middle. And I know I've said this to her privately before, but I just want to publicly tell you, Court, that I'm sorry. And please forgive me for anything that you've seen me do to your mom. Or to say to her that would cause you to hold anything against me. At this time, Steph gave me an ultimatum. He had to either get some help or she was going to go somewhere else. She was going to leave. So I agreed to get help. Then I, I got on some medication, which, thank the Lord, did help me quite a bit. That's when we found out in 2001 we was having another child. <clears throat> and Steph mentioned in her testimony before about uh, we lost Mackenzie. She was a full-term stillborn, 8 pounds, 14 ounces, 22, 21 or 22 inches long, full head of hair. Just a beautiful little baby. And during this time, I, of course, I don't want a pity party. I'm not here for a pity party. But, uh, of course, I was upset with God. Didn't know why things happened like this to us. Why was it us? We did everything right. We're going to church. Living our life the best we can. Doing the right things. And this happens. As I look back, I talked to Steph about this not too long ago. It's, it's like everything happened so fast. 
And of course, I was never put in that situation before. But I never really got a chance to grieve her loss. I was just trying to be there for Steph and for everybody else. And uh, one of the hardest things that, that day when we left the hospital, the funeral home, let me and Courtney take her up there. They didn't come and get her. Was uh, was taking her away from Steph, knowing that she'd never see her again here on this earth. At her funeral, our pastor, which did a wonderful job, read this read this verse to us as a family. And it's always meant a lot to me. And if you would turn to <coughs> Isaiah uh, chapter 40. Verses 28 through 31. Do you know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And uh, walking at that time was hard. I was so upset. With God, I'm thinking there for a while we quit going to church. I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. Kind of fell away, backslid, whatever you want to call it. But we kept walking. And we didn't faint. That's why we're still here today. Up to 2002. <laughs> this is Haley. God graced us with Haley. She brought a smile to her sister's face and she renewed our spirits at the time. I can remember how anxious me and Steph was that day in the delivery room. Of course, this pregnancy, we went to a specialist and made for high-risk pregnancies. Every, uh, every doctor's visit was scary. You know, after you've been went to that last one to schedule your C-section. They said, your, your baby's passed away. That's always in the back of your mind. But I can't remember how relieved we was that day when they, Haley was born and we heard that cry. We, we just cried tears of joy at that time together. And that's why her, her middle name was, is Grace, because of God's grace that he still bestows upon us. Life at this time was smooth. 
compared to what we'd been going through as a family. Yet I continued in my sin of adult material. And over time, I was duped into believing the lie of the enemy of our souls. That if this was the only quote-unquote sin that I had in my life, I'm not really that bad. Which is not true. It was affecting our marriage in ways that I had no idea was happening. And if you would turn to Matthew chapter 12. Verses 43, Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. And this describes what I was going through. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through a rid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. But God had other plans for me in store. About a year ago, the Holy Spirit talked to Stephanie, told her to confront me about this problem. And when she did, of course, I denied it. Uh, I denied that I was doing anything wrong because I was good at hiding stuff from her. And that was one thing I was good at, just hiding that. After hours passed, maybe half a day or so, there was just something I couldn't shake, so I went back and confessed to her that this had been going on. She, she knew it. And I asked her uh, how she knew. And, of course, she told me the Holy Spirit told her to confront me about it. Then she goes on to tell me, and I do believe this, uh, of course, most of us know we're not in a, a battle with each other. It's a spiritual battle of things we can't see, things we can't touch. And we was in bed one night, and she woke up. I was still asleep. And she told me she'd seen this white-like figure come, come in the room. And it was a, like a beautiful-looking woman, all dressed in white, long, pretty hair and everything. And it went over to my side of the bed. It bent down and, and kissed me on the head. And that was her, her uh, sign from the Holy Spirit that something was, was still going on. With, with this problem that I had. And trust me, people, when you hear that from your wife, <laughs> that, that shakes you up. You can't hide 
Your sin will always find you out. I've learned that firsthand. And if I expect my children to honor and respect me as their dad, I must first honor and respect my Heavenly Father and walk the walk and talk the talk that we claim to do. Coming to the Calling Community Church has definitely given me the opportunity to be myself, take off my mask, be uncomfortable, be vulnerable, be real, be honest with myself and other men. I'd just like to thank three people individually that have really helped me through this time. That's Brian, Pastor Brady, that's Mike Morris. Thanks for being my sounding board, helping me through all my struggles. I just thank God for you guys. just want you to know that. Plus everybody else that all the men has been in my life that I've met through here. I appreciate every one of you. But I'm now happy to say that the last one and a half to two years of our marriage has been the best that it's ever been. I'm a new dad. We joke about this at home. We'd do something and, you know, at the times I'd maybe gotten really mad or upset, say something foul, talk down to the kids or something. By trying to do that, of course, I work really hard not to do that to them. I don't want to tear them down. I want to build them up, let them know how much I love them. But I'm a new creation now. I'll do my best and never go back to those sins that I had. And it's a struggle with any addiction. Like I said, fill in the blank with whatever people are struggling with. It's not easy. But it can be overcome by the help of Jesus Christ and Him only. And I'd just like to read a, uh, a verse that has been really speaking to me lately through this time and who I am now. And how much, how much Jesus has helped me. How much I love him. How much I just can't fathom his grace on all of us. And that's Psalm 91. If you'd like to turn there. God doesn't promise a world free from danger or problems, but he does help us with his grace and help whenever we call upon his name. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that flies by, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge 
and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all ways. They will lift up, their, lift up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life, and I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thank you. There we go. Jimmy, I'm going to have you come stand down here. And then if you are, um, if you're a man, I would say 18 years old and above. All right, I want you to come forward. Just all of you come up here. Whether you're a dad or not, if you're a man, come on up. I love how God always has... Um, a plan for what it is that he wants to accomplish. And for the whole week, I struggle with, like, the message I was supposed to preach. I wasn't supposed to preach a message today. <laughs> this is what you were supposed to hear. See, men, just come and gather up here. And then if you are connected to these men, I want you to find a card. There's the cards all along the front here. Okay, there's scripture cards. All right. Just come up and grab, if you have one on your seat, if not, come on forward, ladies, and grab these cards if you're connected to these men. There's, there should be enough cards for all the ladies, hopefully, all along here. Just grab a card. This row right here has got a bunch. Just grab one off the chair. No cards left behind. <laughs> Just grab one. No? No, just grab, just, just grab them. Grab them. You can stay up where you're at if you want or go back and sit down, whatever you want to do. But just grab us plenty of cards up here. Make sure all the ladies have one. Yeah, just keep playing. We're going we're gonna to do this song in just a minute. There's, um, who's, who's a first time, like this is your first time dad. You're a dad and it's your first year of having a, here you go. We got one right here. Where's, uh, where's, where's he at? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Man. We have, I know we have some guys up here that there's one, there's one in the oven, so they're waiting for that moment. There's some guys that have got kids that are having kids. <laughs> Anybody have kids having kids? Raise your hand if you have kids having kids. Malinowski, come on, man. You have a kid having a kid. Stay with me here. <laughs> yeah, you have kids having kids. That changes everything, doesn't it? That's... That's pretty amazing when you get a chance to see that. So, Father's Day is, is a hard day for some.
probably the reason why we started our church on Father's Day. Because we all have a heavenly Father. And you know what he says to you? He says, I love you. And I'm proud of you. Even all the mistakes that you've made as men and you will make as men. Mercy triumphs over judgment, people. And it must, in our own hearts, let mercy must triumph in your own life over judgment of your own father. Because I could be angry at my dad because he wasn't in my life. And I have been. But I also hurt for him because he missed out. I hurt for him because he spent his whole life wondering why he let his kids just go without him being in their life. He hurt. And mercy triumphs over judgment for him. Guys, mercy triumphs over judgment for the sin in your life because you've, you've got it. You've had it. You're still struggling with it. Some different than others. Jimmy just had the opportunity to just be real and honest about it. Listen, we will not wear masks in this church. I won't. And if I'm the leader, I don't want you to either. I know it's scary for guys to be vulnerable, but I just say, get over yourself. (laughs) Just get over yourself. Because healing comes in the midst of vulnerability. Like, Man, what if Dr. Myers wouldn't have told Jimmy the truth about his heart condition? <laughs> oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, want Jimmy to know the truth. I'm just going to keep it from him. No, he could be dead right now. <laughs> so the, the, so the, this great physician, he's diagnosing what's going on in our hearts right now. And he wants us to be real about it. And so um, I'm going to have Brady, I'm going to have Pastor Brady come up and just he loves Psalm 91. I've heard him speak that word over people on the street over and over and over again. All right, I'm going to take this album and have him pray a prayer blessing over these men, and then we're going to turn around and ladies, find your guy, and we're going to look up at the screen, and we're going we're to make a declaration. Okay? Amen. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for our brother Jimmy, for his integrity and his courage and his boldness, for the powerful word that he shared. I know it's affected everyone in this room today. Lord, I pray for all these men up here, all these fathers and future fathers, all these heads of household and future heads of household. I pray, Lord, that you would cover them under the shadow of your wing. I pray that they would fear you and walk in your way all the days of their life. I pray that they would walk in truth. Your word says, if you love me, you will obey my word. Help us, Lord, to love you more. Help us, Lord, to have more faith. Help us, Lord, to have more spiritual discipline. Help us, Lord, to speak blessing and not curse over our loved ones, over our wives, and over our children that you've blessed us with. Help us to rise up and be the men of faith and the men of God that you have called us to be. Help us, Lord, to be world changers. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in every place of our lives, 
in the place of work, in the place of house, in the place of government, in the private places. Help us, Lord, to speak truth. Help us, Lord, to bless others and be a blessing to others. Help us, Lord, to be partakers of the gospel ministry. I pray, Lord, that if there are any here who need to repent today, Lord, we're just going to observe a moment of silence. I ask everyone to just continue with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If there's anything that you need to deal with the Lord today, I just pray, Lord, the Bible says confess your sins and repent. I pray that today you would just, this is just between you and the Lord, no one else, but that you would confess your sins to God and repent and times of refreshing would come in your life. So I'm just going to observe a moment of silence here so that each of us men can deal with our lives and deal with the Lord. If, if, you have, if, if you have confessed to the Lord today, I want to tell you something. The Bible says don't call unclean that which the Lord has made clean. So if you came in here today with dirty hands or a dirty heart, and if you confess to the Lord, you're walking out of here clean and made new. Receive the Lord's mercy. Receive the Lord's healing. Receive the fruit that comes from repentance. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.